Welcome to Shades of Success. I'm your host, Adrian Leckie. And for those who are new, Shades of Success is a Toronto-based podcast and a community of racialized professionals, creators, and dream chasers who are actively redefining success on their own terms. Over here in this podcast, we celebrate culture, community, and success in this lovely and diverse city. So today, I am super excited to be able to introduce you to our guest, a dear friend of mine as well, Ms. Saranja Thavasunthar. She is an author of a children's book, Aswin Plays Ball. And when she's not writing, she's reviewing books by BIPOC authors on her Instagram at stories.by.saranja. So introducing Saranja, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Adrian, for allowing me to be on your platform. It really means a lot. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. So I connected with Soranja a while ago when she had released her book. Super excited to be able to have a conversation with her. And a couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to see each other as well. Mm -hmm. And just hearing about some of the impact that you've had as well, and also just your ambition, it's been super exciting um, to be able to receive that energy and also be able to give you the platform to share that with the audience. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you. All right. So to get things started, the world needs to know who you are. So I want to give you the space. So can you share a bit about yourself? and your journey as a writer. I, my name is Sharanda Dlosunther. I am a newly published children's book author. And I would say what got me into writing, I've always loved reading books and writing at the same time. Ever since I was a little kid, I was, I was a kid who had a big imagination. So the only way I could get that imagination out of my head is onto the paper. So I was writing ever since I could pick up a pen or pencil. Now, a couple years after after I I left university and I started working uh, with with me working nine to five every day and you know commuting, it kind of it kind of pulled me away from from reading and writing as much. I just I just felt so burnt out that I didn't have enough time or energy to read or write. And then something happened to me back in twenty twenty one where you know, I lost a family member and it made me realize that, you know, I missed writing because writing was an outlet for me to, to kind of let out my feelings. So since 2021, I've been like writing every single day. And through that, I really realized that I just missed it so much. Like it brought me so much joy. Well, it's, one thing I really resonated with your story is that active imagination that you once had a kid as a kid, but also were able to kind of like find a space to re-spark and rekindle as well. Um, if you don't mind me asking, as a kid, like what type of books, what type of things are you into? Oh, I used to read everything. I mean, I would read a lot of like mystery, a lot of Nancy Drew. I loved a lot. I loved Robert Munch books, especially as like a really little kid and dr seuss those were those were like the the picture books that i really were addicted to as a as a little kid like cat in the hat green eggs and ham green eggs and ham hamlet was my favorite children's book mm -hmm. um like and oh and arthur 
Arthur, I could not never get enough of Arthur. <laughs> but yeah, I I used to, I read a lot of everything. I didn't have a specific genre that I stuck to as a kid. Um, as I grew older, like leading into you know great grade seven, grade eight, and then high school, I started venturing more into fantasy and sci-fi. Like I was a huge Harry Potter fan, Lord of the Rings. Like I wasn't I I I. I had like a preference for all types of genre, all types of genres, all types of books, as long as it was written really well. That's powerful. So in hearing that, it's really amazing to see that now we have like a physical book that you created, mm -hmm. a children's book at that. So you mentioned a family member passing away um, as being mm -hmm. a kind of spark or catalyst for you to read, um, like revisiting mm -hmm. um, writing. So mm -hmm. can you share a bit about the significance of the book that you've released? and like a bit more about what inspired this like really heartwarming story so as adrian said uh back in 2021 i lost my cousin ashwin to a car accident and it just it really like changed my life it broke my heart into a thousand pieces like i was very very in a different state of mind back then versus versus now and it made me realize just how precious life could life is and the fact that you know we don't get so much time like even if we live like to the age of 80 when you think about how long you know the earth like the earth has been living we're only here for like a little drop of time and my cousin ashwin he passed away when he was only 23 so that was even just a like even a smaller fraction of time than than a person is supposed to get and the thing is with ashwin he he was someone who he touched a lot of people. He, he he touched so many lives just for being himself. Like he was just the you you could never you 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 couldn't find a better person than him. Especially at his age, he was very very mature, very caring. Like the number one thing that people always said about his is that about him is that when he talks to you, like when you talk to him, he listens and he always does the best to understand you and do what he can to help you in his own way. I've gotten that feedback about him from so many people. And when he passed away, it just it just completely turned my life around. And I had so many like like the only the only other person who's ever passed away in my life who I was close to was my grandmother. But I cuz she was six for so long, I kind of expected it and I had a chance to say goodbye, but with Ashwin there was no goodbye. So this book is sort of my love letter to my cousin. It, it's everything that I ever wanted to say to him that I didn't get a chance to say in, in life. So as a result of him passing away, I decided to seek out um, mental health uh, support. So I started talking to a therapist. And one of the things that the therapist that I have, who's who wonderful, wonderful person, she suggested that I started writing again, because I had all these thoughts building up in my head about what could I have done better to like help him or prevent him from passing away? I had all these like negative thoughts in my head that were just building up without an outlet, without an outlet to express them. So she suggested writing my thoughts out and, you know, just having like a, a physical way to, to express my thoughts. So with her help, I was writing every single day, everything that I ever want to say about him. Also like positive memories, like, like not just the bad, but like happy memories because I feel like at that time when I was in my grieving process, all I could think about was the dark, like the dark times. 
But with the help of, you know, me getting back into writing every day, I was thinking about like all the happy memories that I had with him. And it brought me out of my my negative, like all the negativity just went away after I got into the process of like remembering every good thing that we had together. And simultaneously, my friend Anika and I, we had a, a book club where we would film our discussions and post them online. And it was called the Brown Girls in the Rain Book Club. And I remembered that one of my favorite books to the favorite type of books to review for the book club would be children's books, especially with the amount of children's books that are coming out today that represent like diverse communities. I just had so much fun with it. And because of that book club and then this happening to me and then me getting back into writing, I thought it would be such a great way to honor my cousin by by writing this children's book, by writing a children's book. I didn't immediately know what I was going to write about at first. I just picked a specific memory about him after I wrote a couple drafts of things that I could possibly write about. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted something to kind of memorialize him. One of the things I was specifically thinking about during this time was, uh, so in my family, we have a lot of, we have a lot of kids in our family, a lot of nieces and nephews. And with Ashwin, Ashwin had a special relationship with each one of his nieces and nephews. Like he would spend so much time with them every week, but then they're all so young, especially specifically my, my niece, Shiley, they were super close and she was only like five when he passed away. And I just kept thinking he loved her so much, but when she grows up, she's probably not going to remember him. Like, it's just, it's normal, right? Kids, eventually, they their memories fade. Like, they when they grow up, they they don't think about these things as much, right? It's like, and that, that killed me to think that, like, oh, he, he gave her so much love, but then eventually, when she grows up, she's not going to really remember who he was as a person. So it was me thinking about my niece, Shiley, and then getting back into the act of writing every day with my my therapy, and then also the, the discovery of me loving children's book through through my book club with Anika that I had the idea to write this children's book. That's so powerful. Wow. Well, I'm sorry for your loss as well. Um, but it's so powerful that you're able to kind of like facilitate your healing through sparking mm -hmm. up something that was like so meaningful to you growing up and mm -hmm. also thinking about that impact that you have towards your family as well. And be able to find mm -hmm. ways to really capture his essence and his spirit. Yeah, so. um, especially because like during those uh, first couple of months after Ashwin passed away, I, I was stuck on the idea of legacy, right? Mm -hmm. Because when I was growing up, I was always I always thought that you know legacy would be like the word legacy meant something like you know buying a house, accumulating a lot of wealth, getting married, having kids. Like that would be the like a person's legacy like what 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 would be left after that person passed passed away but the thing is with ashwin like he was so young he didn't really have time to leave behind what i understood what a legacy was but then as i got talking as i as i started talking with his friends and our family i realized that you know what Le legacy can mean so much more than just you know wealth and buying a house and leaving physical things behind his legacy was the people that he touched with his presence. And 
it's also like how do when we think about legacy we also have to think about things like how do we want to be remembered when we when we pass and who do who do we want to tell our story mm. so i thought that maybe in terms of like me contributing to ashwin's memory i wanted to this to be part of his trip like part of his legacy es especially because like with the money that i that i got from writing the book i'm using it to donate to charities under his name just so i can continue his legacy further can you talk a bit about that because when you shared that with me i thought it was such a remarkable way to one commemorate the spirit of the person but also to be able to give back to something that would be even maybe be beyond what Ashwin, Ashwin could have even thought of. So mm -hmm. can, you, can you tell me a bit about what sparked the idea to be able to give back? So growing up in my family, my family has, my family always, they're like, I, I've grown up in a charitable family. Like they always do things to fundraise and give back to, uh, especially to give back to charities in Sri Lanka. Like that has been a part of my life since I was very young. So I've always grown up with the concept of like giving back and supporting people who are not doing as well as you. Like if you have the means, why not give it to someone who could use it, right? Especially growing up in Canada, my parents have always instilled the, the, the appreciation for me, the fact that like I'm growing up here, I have access to education, water, food. I haven't really struggled for anything in that sense. But then they'll always say something like, think about the people in Sri Lanka who don't necessarily have that. And when I went there, I actually visited there in 20, 2017, 2018. I saw it with my own eyes, like the like people who look just like me. But for whatever reason, some stroke of luck, I grew up in Canada and they're there and there's literally nothing there's like there's nothing special that I did for me growing up in Canada. It's just literally, I was lucky enough to be born here. That's it. But there wasn't, like, I kept thinking about the fact that like, if fate had turned out a different way, I could, I could just as well be back there struggling for the basic necessities of life. And second part to that question is, so this is going to, this might be a, a little bit morbid, but so the, one of the last conversations that Ashwin had that we found out after from one of his friends is, uh, he he was literally talking about doing something more to help one of his friends he wanted to like raise money or like because one of his friends was in a bad situation his last conversation was literally i need i want to do something to help him but and that was very reflective of him as a person he was always that person who wanted to help other people so i thought you know what like this, this would be the perfect opportunity for me to do something in Ashwin's name, especially because he was, he was always about, you know, giving back to charity, helping other people. And I thought like, you know what, with the money that I got from the book, you know, yeah, it, I could just put it in my pocket and then do whatever with it, but it would be more meaningful if I took that money and, you know, gave it to someone who actually needed it. Wow. Well, kudos and congratulations for the impact that you've done and again i really admire um you being able to take on that mantle to be able to do something so impactful for ashwin's legacy like holding on to this book being able to go through it and kind of like wrap up with um the in loving memory but also the just like the photos yeah. that you had as well <laughs> was such a powerful, powerful moment 
uh, for me in reading the book and just thinking like the spirit, you've captured an amazing spirit here that I know resonates with anyone who like picks mm -hmm. it up to read it. So congratulations, Saranta. Thank Incredible. you. Thank you. Like, like one, one other thing I wanted to achieve, achieve with the book was that, you know, people who didn't even know Ashwin, they would at least get to remember Ashwin by reading the book. Wow. So the other thing I'm really curious about is, and Ashwin sounds like an amazing, 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 amazing young man. How did you decide to choose the story? You mentioned that you had a couple of avenues and areas that you could potentially go. And you chose such a cool one that didn't only encapsulate his spirit, but also the Toronto spirit, but also like Sri Lankan culture as well. Can you, can you talk a bit about how you made that decision and also the importance of like culture with what you've, uh, what you've created in your book? So the book is about a little kid who, who, you know, he, he sees the Toronto Raptors play basketball on TV for the first time. And he immediately falls in love with basketball. However, when he first starts to play the game, he's not really good at it. And he wants to give up at first as, as little kids do. Um, he kind of thinks he kind of gets help from his family. His family comes through to support him and be like, no, you, you can do this. You just have to practice. You have to work hard. And eventually the little boy who is Ashwin in the book, uh, he, you know, he gets better. He improves so much. The reason why I chose that story is because it actually happened to Ashwin. When he first started playing basketball, he he wasn't really good at it at first. He was He started playing basketball around like six or seven. But then he actually told me that the the reason why he got better at basketball is because his brother came in and actually showed him how to improve. Yeah. Um, especially with the the three point the three pointers and whatnot, like he improved so much because his brother came in and said, "Like, I'll help you. Sit back, relax, watch me." Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I wanted to. I thought it would be smart to choose a a. Specifically, a basketball story because I'm from Scarborough. We're all we're we're all from Scarborough, and oh my gosh, Scar basketball, especially like playing in like school parks and whatnot, it's such a big thing. That's a, that's how I know like Ashwin met a lot of his friends too. It was through basketball. Like it provided him with such a like a safe and fun environment for him to meet other people, but also learn good skills like practicing hard, being social because people think. Playing sports is all about athletic skill, but no, it's also about being social. You meet, you can meet a lot of people and learn a lot of like how to make like skills, like making friends through sports as well. And that, basketball gave him all of that. It wasn't just about the athletic skill. It just taught, it taught him so many skills about like just how to survive in life. All right. So next you mentioned a bit about how you created the book. And the other thing that really stands out to me is the art. So I was really interested to know when it comes to the creative process that you went through in deciding the art style, um, can you tell us a bit about it and how you feel like it reflects reflects the story? Okay, so the art is by a pheno phenomenal illustrator by the name of Nicole Lalonde. I went to high school with her. Oh, 
Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't uh, kept in touch with her because it's it's been like a, more than ten years since I've been in high school. But through another, when I was talking about the book with one of my best friends, she brought up Nicole to me and said, "Hey, she's actually working as a professional illustrator right now. Why don't you reach out to her?" And I'm like, "Okay, well, we'll see how it goes." And then I checked her Instagram, and her Instagram was literally everything that I ever envisioned for my. <laughs> It was very, very, like, a, a, like amazing artwork, and she had already worked on. Um, she had an, she had already worked on at least two, two other or one other book prior to working with me. So she brought she when I spoke with her, she brought in so much knowledge because of her working on another book book prior to this. Like she helped me so much. She did the the graphic design. She helped me with for, formatting the book. So it wasn't just the illustration part. But that I found, I found that the illustration part took the most time because it's it's the literal it's literally the bulk of the book. But she took so much time and patience, and she worked with me from every little detail to get make sure I was a hundred percent happy with it. And I feel like I couldn't have chose anyone better to work with. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of my favorite parts of this book, I'm I'm sure you get this a lot is there's a there is a page with ashwin like watching basketball <laughs> yeah that is just jaw dropping from the attention to detail yeah. with the with the tv to what's happening with the living room as well you can it really captures that moment so it's funny you say that because i noticed a lot of people say that that is their favorite spread and when we were envisioning it i thought I thought so. I thought what was going to be the favorite spread was the one with the flowers and the grand, like, and my grandma. Mm. It's the it's the next spread. So like when I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh! It's I thought that was going to be the favorite one, just because of how it's like lit up and all the flowers and just seeing my grandma there. But when I when I found out that majority of the people love the TV watching scene, and I and I thought about it, I'm like, it's such a simple scene, but it resonated with so many people. There's a couple Easter eggs in this scene too, because um, this is this is like a kutublaka. That like if you're Tamil, most people have this in their phone. <laughs> and then the, this picture right here, it's actually a photo that all of us, all, everyone in my family has in all our homes. It's a it's a photo that actually exists mm. um, of my grandma and grandpa. So I I I tried to drop uh, little Easter eggs throughout the book for people who know our family. Yeah. Um, in another scene um, where the, where Ashwin is playing in the park, there's a sign that says Glamorgan Park, which is the area where we grew, grew up in Scarborough. Wow. Oh yeah, I have it here. I have it here. Yeah. <laughs> so you walked us through like the, the illustrations, but also when it comes to the writing piece, I figure like that's a pretty challenging, but also rewarding mm -hmm. experience as well. Yeah. So could you share what like some of your highlights and memorable moments were in creating the story and also potentially obstacles that you faced as well? Well, definitely one of the highlights was the actual writing process of it because it was almost like therapy for me, right? Um, instead of me focusing on like the aspect of Ashwin passing away, I, I took like a very happy memory from our shared childhood and I was allowed to just focus on that and think about everything that that Ashwin got from playing basketball as a kid. So, the but the actual writing of it, the only difficult part about it was finding an editor. <laughs> mm. 
And I wanted to make sure that I had a second set of eyes on it who who wasn't related to me. Because I feel like I did send out my drafts to like my friends and my family. But because they knew me, I think they were going soft on me as well. <laughs> so I wanted someone who didn't have like that relationship with me to kind of take a look at it and be like, okay, like in a in a you know more professional sense, like actually tell me what what I can improve upon. But I had a very hard time because I don't work in um, like I don't work in like publishing or anything right that like that. So I got I, I work in immigration, so I this is a completely different field for me. So I used uh, I tried to use social media as much as possible to find a to find an editor, and I did find one uh, that I paid for did not enjoy working with her at all. I feel like the the changes that she suggested didn't make sense for a children's book. So that was that was an interesting process. And then I went back to the drawing board and I thought, okay, I'll find someone else that 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 might be better for what I'm trying to achieve for this book. And randomly enough, the editor that I did find was uh, someone that I had met on vacation when I went out to BC. It, it, it's ve- it's a very long-winded route as to how how I know her, but she ha- um, happened to work at a magazine as an editor. So she's edited other other um, articles and books before, and her name is Kieran. Hi, Kieran. <laughs> and uh, she came on, and her edits and suggestions just completely changed the story for the better. And I'm so thankful for her, especially because she did it for free. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Shout outs. That's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, so honestly, like finding the editor part was the hardest part for me. But even just writing, um, like I said, I I went back uh, over maybe like a hundred times rewriting the same draft of the story before I even sent it to the the editor. Just to, you know, because I feel like at the with my first draft, there was so much I wanted to say. And I said it, but with the thing is with a children's book, short, short is shorter is better because um, your your illustrations are going to be the things that are speaking to the child, right? The kids, the kids don't really focus so much on the words itself. They focus more on the illustration. So uh, when I had that initial conversation with uh, Nicole, my illustrator, she said, it's a great story, but it might be too long for what you're trying to achieve with a children's book. So I went back and I trimmed, 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 and I thought, okay, at the at the at the heart of what I'm trying to do is I don't need to say everything I need to say I want to say about Ashton, but as as long as the story kind of captures who she was, who he was as a person, then I'm good. So I I trimmed and I trimmed and I trimmed, and basically this is this is like the final product that you guys have have in your hands right now. <laughs> Wow. All right. That's incredible. And to hear that you're doing that alongside doing your work in immigration too mm-hmm. is amazing. I guess the last oh, thing I'll okay. ask before moving on, like how did you <laughs> balance that? And then all, how long does the process take you? So this, so I, I do school visits with, uh, after publish, publishing the book, um, I've been doing a lot of school visits, talking to, to kids about how I, how I've published the book. And uh, that question right there, it gets a lot of gasps when I tell kids the answer, because I'm always like, it took me two years to to get this done from start to finish. And before I even uh, tell them the answer, I always ask them, how long do you think it took me to write this book? 
and they're always like, oh, five minutes, maybe one day, two hours. And then when I tell them <laughs> two years, they're like, <gasps> <laughs> but it's also, it's like, it's funny because when you, you're an adult's concept of time is so different from a kid because, because a kid will be like one day that is so long. But then when you tell them two years, they're like, Oh my God. <laughs> wow. And how have your school business been going? I, I, I'm just so fascinated by that. How did you find the school business going reception with the children that you're connecting with? Oh my gosh. Those are so much fun. Like when I, when I started, when I wrote this book, I didn't even think that this was something I'd be doing. Honestly, I thought I just thought I'd be selling it on Amazon and that's it. And no one would care, care to ask anything about it afterwards. But then when I started getting invited for these school visits, I realized that like it, it made me so happy to be going into these schools and just hearing these kids say Ashwin's name mm. and things like um, I had a moment with one of these little girls. She came up to me and she said, hey, just letting you know, um, my brother's name is Ashwin and I never, I never thought I would see that name in a book and it's so cool, <laughs> which to be honest, like, even when I think about it, um, not just, not just uh, thinking about my book alone, diversity in children's books has improved so much now. Cause when I was like a little kid, I never thought I'd see, especially not a Tamil book, but even like a brown face, a racialized face in a book. I never, I never thought I would see it. I would never even, it would never even came to my head as a thought that that was something that was a possibility out there. Cause most of the books that I read were, you know, mostly white Canadian authors, but there has been such a big improvement now, especially cause I realized that the people who didn't see themselves as, as, as characters in books growing up are now writing the stories that they want to see. Mm. Did you imagine being an author? Is that something you've always wanted to do like i know you it's, mentioned the passion of writing when it comes to being like an author i always wanted to be an author but it would just be something i i talk about but then yeah. i would always say like jokingly um i would always say if i ever write a book i'm gonna write about my family because <laughs> i feel like there's so much drama in our family that i could fit it all into a book but the I actually did say that I used to say that a, a lot. But then to see how life turned out and that fact that I actually did write a write a story about my family that you never know like how life is gonna turn out. Well, I'm excited to hear. But once congratulations again of the book that you've made. But also very excited to see what comes next when it comes to in the yeah. world of Saranja as an author. Yeah. So. Mm. Oh. Adrian, there's one thing I want to add about the school visits. Absolutely. So um, one thing that was like, it, it was kind of, it was like an awe moment for me. But um, so in the back of my book, I have a list. I have like a glossary of all the Tamil words, the Tamil words that are in the book. And as I go to these schools, I go through the Tamil words with them. So I, I always end up teaching them a little bit of Tamil, explain to them what Tamil is and like where where Sri Lanka, like where Sri Lanka is, what Tamil is. And like, I give them like a couple of words to learn. And back in my head, I'm like, I never thought that I would be going to schools and talking to them about being Tamil. Like, mm. like I never thought that, like that was never an idea in my head because like I grew up in Scarborough but the thing is, like, when I was growing up back in the 90s, like, it was, like, there wasn't an, emph an emphasis to learn Tamil. 
there was more of an emphasis to learn English and succeed in English. Also, like, like even things like, you know, showing your culture, like, like wearing like a porto, like a, like a bindi to school, like those would be like considered like, like foppy, like fresh off the boat things. You're not supposed to, you know, you're like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to leave Sri Lanka back in Sri Lanka, not so much show your culture. Like that's how I grew up in the nineties. So now me thinking about how I'm going to schools and teaching kids how to speak Tamil and then also seeing the Tamil kids who they, they immediately perk up. Like the, the, the first, like the minute I say something like a word like amma or appa, which mean mom and dad, they immediately sit up because they're like, what? Like, what? <laughs> like, we're going to learn about something that like refle- reflects us today. Like, like it's those moments that like make me so happy when I do these school visits. The fact that there's that connection there. Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, actually, I touched on something else I was looking to ask Ooh. you. Um, with what you've done as an author and the spaces that you create, in addition to what you've done in uh, Brown Girls in the Rain as well, um, you emphasize a bit on like representation and also diversity uh, before it comes to literature. So can you share about how important it is for you to include those diverse perspectives and characters in your work? Diversity is very important. For me, my personal story with diversity, I don't think I would have even thought that I could actually be an author, like start my journey to become a full, like fully official author. If I hadn't read a book like, like Solway, which talked about, which talks, talks about colorism. It's a children's book by Lupita Nyong'o. It was the first time I had ever read a children's book that talked about colorism. And that kind of like made me realize that there are people out there who are going through similar things like I am, and they actually want to read my story. Like my, it, it made me feel like just because this person wrote a story like that, it made me feel like, okay, there's an audience out there. There's someone out there who actually wants to read my story and relate. And also starting my, my book page where I started posting about these books by BIPOC authors, the comments that I would get being like, I didn't even know that this book existed. I didn't, I like, I'm from this culture. I'm, I'm, I have a similar background to this character. I didn't even know that there was a story like that out there that reflected me as a person. And it made me think that like, there are so many stories out there that are waiting to be told. Wow. As I was skimming through your, your page, and even I found myself at awe with some of the stories out of there. Uh, one book that really caught my eye, How to Wear a Sari. Like, that's so <laughs> cool to think that there's like a children's book. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like huge celebration of culture. And it's similar to what you mentioned when it came to growing up. Like, I love, mm-hmm. I love, I love me some Robert Munch. I love me some Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. But also when it came to that representation, I didn't see it much mm-hmm. um, outside of maybe TV, which is more so where it was mm-hmm. my like main media, mm-hmm. so the consumption space. Um, but nowadays and seeing some of the stories that are created by authors. And the one thing that you said that was really beautiful mm-hmm. is the idea of the folks who didn't see themselves represented before are taking space to do that now. It's mm-hmm. so incredible and great to know that there are kids growing up in an era where they're able to see themselves mm-hmm. in the literature that they, they're reading in their schools as well. Mm-hmm. It's really inspiring. And I want to add, add on to that point that writing and publishing a story is actually more accessible to us than what we think. Cause I'm an independent author. I didn't, I didn't go through like a traditional publishing company. I didn't think that, that was something I wanted to do just because the story itself is so sensitive 
to me and my family, I wanted to make sure that I I would have 100% control. Also, because I already found my illustrator uh, prior to me sending this draft out to uh, publishers. I knew that, that for a fact that if I were to go through the traditional publishing route, I probably wouldn't be able to pick my own illustrator. They'd probably want me to make work with their people, which it could go either way at that point. It could be great or it could be it could be not so great. And I didn't want to lose what I had in Nicole because she was very empathetic and understanding of what, where, where I was coming from and how, how important that story was to me. So what I did was I looked up traditional, like independent publishing routes. So I published my book on Amazon. Amazon um, has a route for independent authors to, to know, to upload their PDFs online and print and deliver their books to, uh, on your behalf. I know, and I know that like a, a, people are very iffy about using Amazon, which they should be. It's, it's a deplorable company, but it did give me a route to publish my book, but there's also other printing companies that you could use. Other one is uh, Kobo. I know Kobo offers a route for independent authors as well. So there's uh, definitely options for you to use out there. If you're not 100% sure about going the traditional publishing route. Well, I, I admire that as well. Um, to be able to stay in integrity to the story you're hoping to share mm -hmm. and then to be able to do that independently. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful to be able to do and also be able to give a, I don't know, just like a guiding light for others who are really mm -hmm. interested in sharing a story but don't want to go through the big publishers, don't know how to get started there. It's great to know mm -hmm. that you have the autonomy to be able to publish it yourself. That's incredible. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to shout out one more person because I, when I do my school visits, I always try to tell the students that, you know, you don't have to be my age, which when I tell them that I'm 32, they always go. <gasps> <laughs> but I always tell them, um, you don't have to be my age to publish a book because at the same time I was doing these uh, school visits back in May, I was aware of a, an eight-year-old girl who was also doing the same thing I was, who had just published a book. She was eight. She just published a book and now she was doing all these uh these school visits as well. And so like I basically told them, like, there's a girl your age who's doing the exact same thing as me, but she's your age. So as long as you guys have get into the habit of writing every day and working hard and practicing and making sure that like the story that you're wanting to tell is something that you actually care about, there's no ceiling. You can do it. And I'm going to shout out her book right now because I think she's she's so sweet and special and smart. And the name of the book is Hair Like Me. And the author is Heather Burris. I'm just going to take a moment to look into. Oh, this is adorable. Yeah. And she she's she's doing the whole presentations at school and everything. I'm inspired. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> To be eight. Oh, wow. I think I'm going to use this as an example for like some of my mentorship programming too. So thank you for sharing this. Yeah. That's amazing. I had to, sh I had to shout her out. <laughs> shout out Heather. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for that share, Saranja. <laughs> So with that, I think we've dived in quite a bit to your story and I would like to wrap up with something a little fun. So I'd like to do a small rapid fire. So the question session with you I have a list of questions lined up for literary lovers and book lovers. It's going to be quick. If there's something that sparks my interest when it comes to an answer, I'll let you stop just to, or to elaborate or to judge you or to make other. Adria, I'm nervous. It's, I'm not nervous. Gonna be, it's, <laughs> it's not going to be that bad. I promise. I promise. So are you ready? 
Okay. Here we go. Hardcover or paperback? Hardcover. Fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Favorite classic novel? Uh, it's Persuasion by Jane Austen. <laughs> I'm a big Jane Austen fan. Oh, okay. Is there a book that made you cry? Damn it, Adrian. <laughs> That's not something I have. Oh, my God. I have to think about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one that I just read uh, recently. It's called Never Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. He's a Japanese UK artist. And this book was actually made into a movie with uh, Andrew Garfield and Keira Knightley. But it's it's a it's a science fiction book about clones, and it asks the question that um, can clones have souls? It's one of the most beautiful books that I've read in a while, and it made me cry at the end. Wow. Okay, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Do you dog ear pages or do you bookmark? I I don't harm my books, so yes, bookmark. <laughs> Dog uh, favorite, <laughs> favorite literary genre? Uh, that's a hard question. Um, I would have to say uh, for right now that my favorite literary genre is children's books right now, just because mm. they're so wholesome and I get a lot out of them. <laughs> okay, I love it. Um, what's the most overrated book in your opinion? Overrated? Oh, <laughs> This is a dangerous question for it the, is. the field that I'm in. <laughs> if I'm going to harm relationships, I could skip it. I could skip this one. Adrian, I don't think you, you, you're the type to ever read these books, but uh -huh. it's the series is called A Court of... A Court... It's, hold on. It's Akatar. It's called Akatar, but let me get the book. A Court of Thorns and Roses. These are so overrated. They're basically like Twilight... But in today's age, <laughs> oh, think of okay. so with Twilight. Okay, think of Twilight like romance, but replace the vampires with fairies. Interest. I feel like I've heard of this genre. I feel like I've heard of this. It's like like five, yeah. six of those books, aren't there? There's so many of these books, and they're so so popular, and I don't understand why. I read the <laughs> first the first book. And yeah. I had to put it down after the fairies started having sex because it just got got so weird. It got really weird. Okay. Noted. TMI. <laughs> TMI. <laughs> okay. I love it. Um, what's one book you'd recommend to everyone? One, one. book? One. I, I knew you were going to add one. One. Because I've had a whole stack here. Uh, you could okay, throw your stack in there, I guess. Okay. okay. Well, I'll, I'll do this very quickly. Life Doesn't Frighten Me by Maya Angelou. And these are all children's books, by, by, by the way. But okay. by the way, I didn't even know that she had a children's book out until like two years ago. And I read this and it was amazing. I'm for starting to end. Basquiat did the illustration? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, it's amazing. It's based off one of her poems, but it's basically about not giving up on life. Keep going. Amazing. Loved it. And then I mentioned this book earlier on, but Solway by 
Lupita Nyong'o. Lupita Nyong'o? What? Yeah. No, you need to check this book out, Adrian. Look at the artwork. Oh, wow. Like, it's stunning. It's stunning. This was by, this was one of the first children's books that I ever reviewed. It's wow, stunning. Terrible. And then, thank you for, for um, you know, allowing me to talk about all these books. <laughs> oh, just Next one. <laughs> next one is, uh, well, next one is Missing Ninaima. It's a book about grief. It's about an, a First Nations child who has lost her her mother. They don't specify the reason why she lost her mother. It kind of goes back to, um, do you remember when there was that movement about uh, all the Indigenous women who were missing um, yeah. out in BC like a couple years ago? So mm -hmm. it's kind of related to that, how she, this little girl lost her mother. She didn't know, she doesn't know what happened to her. And it's about, the, it's that focus on grief. Next one is special because this is one of my favorite children's book series, Una and the Shark. So Una is a little mermaid who lives under the sea. The, she was the first black mermaid, by the way. <laughs> and uh, it's about how she makes friends with a shark who has sensory issues. So the things that she's normally used to doing when it comes to making friends, you know, like attracting them with like loud, loud music, bright colors, doesn't really work on him because he has sensory issues. So it's about her trying to find out a new way to make friends with the shark, but also does, won't scare him away. That's so sweet and very applicable as well. That's that's cool. Yeah. And then I only, I got two more for you, Adrian. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So the next one is another grief-related grief, grief related book. It's called The Memory Tree. I highly recommend that every child should have this book in, her, in their library just because it talks about the communal aspect of grief, how everyone talk, comes together to talk about the things that they loved about that person and how it's so... It's... Like grieving in a community is another way to kind of get through what you're going through. Like relying on your friends, your family. I, I love this book. I thought it was amazing. And then the last one is for fans of The Office. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> the Office, A Day at Dunder Mifflin Elementary. I thought it was so cute. <laughs> Only because I'm a big fan of The Office. <laughs> Okay. Does a kid Jim have the expression? Uh, That's key. That's why I look forward to every episode. <laughs> I need it. I think. Well, the thing is, they all—they're all pretty spot on. <laughs> is there a Stanley baby? Yes, there is. It wouldn't be the office if they didn't have Stanley doing a crossword puzzle. <laughs> <He's> a crossword. <laughs> Oh, and then wow. yeah, and then Kevin and his little chili. The moment about that, the moment I fell in love in the office <laughs> was that moment right there. And see yep. him drop the chili and have the flipboard. Oh, classic, man. classic. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your shares. I'll allow it. I'll allow <laughs> my quick rant, my speed rounds for you to walk us through that. <laughs> I'm going to give you three more speed round questions before moving on. Awesome. Okay. Next is, what's the most memorable book to movie adaptation? The most memorable book to movie adaptation? Um, hmm. It's a hard question because I, I feel like everything gets made into movies now. Like every book has, mm -hmm. usually gets like a book ad adaptation. But I'm going to point this one out because it was the first 
book to movie adaptation that I'd ever seen. And it's, it's Harry Potter and the, the Sorcerer's Stone. Just because uh, I feel like that was my introduction to fantasy movies and kind of ignited that love that I had for it, for reading in a new, in a new way. Cause I think that was the first book that I, that like, that was like the first middle grade book that I had read basically. Cause I think I was on chapter books before that, but then that reading those books, like and seeing that movie and then reading the books that really just advanced me in a whole different way when it came to my reading. And that movie is just wonderful. I feel like it's such a wholesome uh, kids' movie to see. <laughs> um, what's a book that you've read, reread the most times? Harry Potter. I've read that series at least like eight times. Wait, Anytime. Wait, wait, wait. Not the book, the series. The series, eight times each time. Like each time a new book would come out, I would restart the series by rereading the first one, rereading the second one, and then going up to the new book. <laughs> Like that's how that's how into Harry Potter I was. Wow. Yeah. And I haven't read the the books in so many years, but I can still recall like every detail because of the amount of times I read those books as a kid. Wow. Okay. So then my last question for you then is what's a book that you'd want to be stranded on a desert island with? Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> uh... On a desert island with. Can I can I just say a random book like How to Build a Boat? <laughs> sure, <laughs> allow it. Allow it. That's a smart way. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, thank you. You've successfully accomplished the rapid fire round, Saranja. Congratulations! A round Yay! of applause to you. That was fun. That was fun. <laughs> All right. So next, I'll have a, a few wrap-up questions for you. One, um, we've learned about your journey as an author. What advice would you give to an aspiring author, especially those from a diverse background who may be hesitant to share their stories with the world? Uh, well, the first thing I want to say is don't be hesitant. Um, don't overthink it. There is always going to be someone out there who wants to read your story, and your story deserves to be heard. And second thing is get out of your head, start writing your story. Doesn't matter how good you think it is, as long as you, you know, take your time and don't rush it. Don't rush it. Like, like I said, like it took me two years to finish this children's book, but it's also okay if you want to take five years, six years, don't put unnecessary pressure on yourself to have the book done by a certain time. Um, take your time. Write every day. That's a, that's another important thing I want to say. Write every day. Write, that's going to improve your skills so much. So write every day, but also take your time. And just don't worry. There's always going to be someone who wants to read your story. Do you have any plans, any upcoming projects or plans in the world of writing or content creation we'd like to share? Uh, I do. Uh, small steps when it comes to uh, Ashwin's book. I'm currently working on building a website. So I'll actually have a, a website outside of my my Instagram page for people to to refer to and learn more about my story and the reason why I, I wrote Ashwin's book. Um, I'm currently also submitting applications to get the book into uh, 
like the local library. So I submitted an application for Toronto Public Library, and I'm also working on an application for the Pickering Public Library, which is where, where I'm from. And next step is also I am I just finished a draft for my next book. I don't know when it's going to be out yet. <laughs> I don't, okay. I don't have any of that information yet, but the draft is done. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Race on myself for this one. Let me know when I need to book you for the next, the next. I'll let you know. <laughs> it might be a couple years from now. Like I said, I'm taking my time with this. One. <laughs> All right. No, I love it. Can, can I ask like another children's book? Yes, it is another children's book. However, it's going to be about me and my relationship with my mother so it's basically just about how much i love my mom and how um specifically so i i had cancer when i was young so there was a whole year where i didn't go outside and literally my life was just the four walls of my hospital room however my mom never made me feel like i was sick mm. she kind of like she kind of like had it instilled in my mind that like we're just we're, we're, we're playing a game and imagine in this room with your with the power of your mind, imagine anything you want in this room. And she would play along with me because I would, I would run, they would pretend like we're just at the beach. Like we're, we're playing in the sand and then she would come and she would come with like a sand bucket and like a little shovel. And we would just make believe and pretend that like we're at the beach or like one day I would be like, I want to, you know, I want to go, I want to go to a garden. And then there was like, literally one day she came with like pots of plants <laughs> And she's like, this is like our botanical garden. So like, she kind of like, even though I it, I was going through a lot at that time, she never made me feel like I was sick. She kind of like molded my my world and my imagination to make me feel like I was living outside that hospital room. So I'm just trying to say, it's like it's like the power that parents have in in crafting the world around their their child. Sarah's so beautiful. I was <laughs> yeah. I was not ready for that. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I'll be tearing up. Okay. Oh, thank I'm, you. <laughs> okay. I'm really excited to hear that story again. Excited to hear your process of taking your time with it, but it sounds like it can be an amazing one. So congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank and wrap you. Your draft. I'm probably going to edit this somewhere in, but as I close, Saranja failed to recognize an amazing thing that <laughs> she's going to be receiving in a couple of days. So Saranja, I'm going to give you the space to share when it comes to Ashwin Plays Ball. Tell us about what's going on in this in later this month. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this, but uh, actually, in a couple weeks from now, I'm gonna be getting a recognition award for writing Ashwin's book. From it's it's so random how this happened, but basically, it's going to be uh, I'm going to this event that's held by uh, a Tamil Arts Society in Ottawa. And they basically give these awards out every year to Tamil creatives who have either, you know, done something musically, published book, or just doing like good things in the community that they just want to recognize. So I, I was very shocked when I found out I got this award because A, I didn't submit myself for it. And B, the news of this award came, came to me uh, on the second year anniversary of Ashwin passing away. Wow. Yeah, and I was at his house when I got this this news, and the person who submitted me, um, I'd never met her before, but I knew of her because she's also a Tamil children's book author. I'd actually uh, bought, purchased one of her books, reviewed one of her books online, 
Um, and somehow she had seen the work that I was doing with uh, Ashwin's book, especially because I gave the money to to charity. And I'm still uh, donating the the money to charity. I'm going to be giving half the money to a uh, a basketball charity, a basketball sports league for kids in Scarborough. Um, so like the, with the money that I, I was donating it to charity, she saw that and she, she loved the idea behind the book and everything. So she submitted me without telling me. And then I found out on the anniversary of Ashwin's passing. That's incredible. So award-winning author. Uh, recognized author. <laughs> okay. Okay. Humble, but I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> And so for our listeners who are eager to read Ashwin Plays Ball and connect with you further, uh, where can they find your book and stay connected with your work and any other works that you're doing? So right now you can you can buy Ashwin's book off of Amazon. If you just type up Ashwin Plays Ball, you'll find the link for it on Amazon. I also do have an Instagram Instagram page where I, I list like other book recommendations book recommendations, but I also talk about my my process with Ashwin's book as well. And my Instagram handle is stories uh, dot by dot Sharanja. So stories, uh, stories by Sharanja. Right. So be sure and, to, oh yeah, go on. And hopefully I'll have a website soon. <laughs> it's going whenever, whenever you have it ready, let me know. I'll update the podcast description accordingly to have it in the description. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So before I give you the last question, Saranja, I want to take a moment to recognize you and thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for uh, your bravery of being able to take the space to um, revisit a passion of yours that you've had since you were younger. It's amazing to hear your story about how much you've loved. Um, you love stories, how you wrote, and also your imagination as well, and how you're able to flesh out to be an author to this day, and also how you've um, supporting and developing the legacy of Ashwin and the impact that he's had towards not only the people in his family, but also I could say around the world as well when it comes to your book. So I just want to give you your roses and say thank you again for sharing you. your story with us. Thank you, Adrian. It really means a lot. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. And so I want to wrap up with one more question. So the reason why I've had this podcast created is be able to give people the space to kind of redefine success for other people to hear about. So Saranja, what would you say success means to you? Honestly, success means to me, what success means to me is, you know, getting yourself into a situation where you don't have to worry about, you know, where you're going to live or where you're going to eat, but also success also includes giving back to those who aren't necessarily there yet. So like you could have all the money in the world and have all the education, have all the money, have all the places to live, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything unless you are also giving it, to, giving what you have to the people who need it as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Thank you. And that's an amazing place to wrap up. So again, everyone, make sure to follow Saranja and follow her journey as an amazing and groundbreaking author. Um, and also, uh, be sure to come back to the podcast as well for another amazing interview. So with that, take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us today at Shades of Success. Until next time, peace. Peace.